man, when you're a radio person, you just continue to be, and it never, it never leaves you. It never leaves you. What he said is absolutely true. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out which uh, which pot you're in. Let's see, five or six. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not the one that works. How's that? I'll talk for a second. Let me describe John Kroll, if I might. He's a little grayer than it was when I first met the guy. There we go. At WNAW, <laughs> he was a, he was a young guy, but at the time, he really I like radio. I like news. I like to do this. And I said, okay, fine. And then we had the Berkshire News Network, and the, the rest, as they say, is history. And of course, I tapped tapped you on the shoulder for Good Morning Pittsfield, and you handled that superbly for what ten years. Oh my gosh, something like that. I appreciate that. I actually, I remember we were in that studio at Taconic High School and we just decided to go live on the air. I don't know if anyone was listening, but we were just testing things out. Kind of like, you know, right now, actually, we're just kind of freewheeling it. And uh, and I remember <laughs> asking, you know, what should we call the show? Actually, you came up with the name. <laughs> well, I mean, it was obvious. Good morning, Pittsfield, you know? You know. Good morning, America. Good morning, Pittsfield. There's a bunch of good mornings all over the United States. Yeah. So I said, good morning, Pittsfield, and it, it stuck like spaghetti on a wall. There you go. There you work. go. And it became uh, quite a thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, I look at a station, and, and you were talking off air about a group of people or a couple of guys that uh, they work in commercial radio and they like to sort of dabble in public radio because it's that creativity where you can have a lot of fun. And I think that's what we all want to do. You know, commercial radio is what it is. Uh, public radio is what it is, but community radio. See, that was that's the, that's the thing right there. Community radio. Now, years ago when I first got here, a thousand years ago. Uh, actually, I came here in 1985 okay, mm. to WBEC. Now, back then in the 80s, 70s, 60s, the local stations, WBEC, WBRK, um, they were real hot local AM stations. Mm -hmm. And they were like today's community stations. They did everything. They did sports. They did politics. They did school stuff. You name it, they did it because they were for the community. And then things started to change. Now, today's community stations like WTBR, uh, there's one in Bennington, Vermont, WBTN, uh, AM 1370, they tend to be more community-oriented. They're not commercial. Mm -hmm. So they have to get the money somehow. So they have you know underwriters and, and sponsors who come aboard. Um, but they do it a little bit differently because it's not like they're not going to hire a pro. They can't afford it. So they take volunteers, and it's a lot of times it's people from the community who would like to do radio. Now, WTBR is a real good example of that. Mm. Um, they're not associated with Taconic High School anymore, but they have people coming in from the community who have ideas for shows. Somebody wants to do a polka show, which has been on for a thousand years. Somebody wants to do a Spanish show, or they want to do jazz, or they want to do something else, or the Beatles and they come up and they propose the idea, and if it works out, you're on your own. But yeah. these are not trained professionals. Yeah, these are the, the the guys that work at the grocery store, or they work over at uh, somewhere else, or they don't work, and they just come in and they do it because they like doing it. Mm -hmm. So that's one aspect of community radio and running WTBR. I got a good dose of that. Yeah, yeah, it was quite the time and that station was going to be sold off mm -hmm. that that signal it was going to be sold off to like a christian station or something like that and uh but ultimately because the fcc needed some local programming uh that's where we came in and then uh there were more shows that were created but i think the biggest thing that you did during the time was get the students involved and and probably there was no time where uh, the, the students were more involved than at that point then, but there were times before that, the, you know, the Bob Cooper era and so forth, and, and they, but, but you had it uh, kind of back uh, to that uh, early prominence. Well, for, for a long time, the, the students were not on the station, and anybody who was, they were 
didn't know what to do. There was no supervision. So when I came in, the station was basically off the air. Yeah, it was dead air. It was kaput. (laughs) You know, and I went in. The first thing I had to do was try to figure out what's going on here. Hmm. Well, the control board was shot. uh, Just misuse. Uh, I remember Carl Flossick from the Polka Show. Yeah. He gave me a call one day at BEC, and he goes, need your help up here at the school. What's the matter? Now, I wasn't involved with TBR at the time. And he said, I need your help up here. Um, the microphone fell off the mic boom. <laughs> it just fell down. He said, I have to hold it up to talk. I said, okay. So I said, can you come up this evening? We're doing a show. And it was on, I believe, a Friday night. He said, if you come up, maybe you can fix it. Yeah, okay. So where are you in the high school? It's easy to find. You come in the front door, you go here, you go there. It took me a half hour to find yeah. the place. <laughs> I mean, There's was, literally no the, directions right, there. It was in back of another classroom. It was in back. Of I used to send the directions via email to people who had never been there before. Mm. And they still would have a difficult time finding it. Usually what would happen was they would be escorted there by someone from the, the main office. Uh, and that was really how it worked because there was no signage. There was no real you know, directional from, you know, you enter into the main entrance and it doesn't say, oh, WTBR this way. Yeah, I put signs <laughs> up eventually. Eventually, but, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so he, Carl had to come down and find me. And I was roaming around a quarter of the school. He said, you're not even close. So he brought me to the station. And um, even after that, I had a couple times I went there. Where the heck is this place? <laughs> so I went in and the mic was broke. The, the little mic holder just snapped. Yeah. And so I found a piece of, you know, the, the kind of stuff holds the bags together, little bread ties. Yeah. <laughs> I found a couple of those in, in a rack, in a, a, a cabinet. And I tied them together and tied the mic up. Hmm. And he was on, I, his, on his way. I do recall a, a couple times where I had to actually hold them. <laughs> I guess the, <laughs> yeah, how uncomfortable it is to uh, stand for about 45 minutes uh, during an interview and have to hold that mic up there. You know, so yeah, it definitely was a, a lot of things were on a shoestring over there. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun. It was. Fun. And, um, you know, when I, when I took over, uh, WUPE uh, had been uh, sold uh, to Vox, I think it was. And I asked the folks at Vox, I said, I'm getting involved in, in kind of rebuilding this high school radio station. Um, and they asked me about it, and I told them, hey, no, no problem. What do you need? I said, well, I could use quite a few things. They said, make a list. So I did. <laughs> I mean, from the control board on down. Mm. I mean, microphones. I put all kinds of stuff down. I gave him the list, and he looked at it, and he goes, yeah, okay, fine. Take what you need. The board? Uh, he goes, sure, yeah. It's no good to us. We've got new stuff. And this stuff was 20 years old already. So, uh, And I love that board. It's still they're, in use. They're, they're still using it today. Oh, yeah. So uh, apparently they don't make them like they used to, or maybe they do, but they sure last a long time. Oh, and, yeah. uh, and you know, I know they had to do a few fixes, replace some of those little lights in there. But overall, the board works. Yeah. It still works today. <laughs> and we had a, a friend of mine, an engineer, Tom Harris, and Harrison, and he – this guy forgot more about electronics than I'll ever know. And he came in and he took, he opened that board up. Like it looked like a, a, a baby hippo when it's, when it's open. And he made that thing sing. He cleaned it up. He used electronic cleaner. He got the thing to work. He, we had some spare bulbs that were, came with the board and we put them in. Of course they would blow out every couple, three months. Sure. Dumb stuff. <laughs> but, it worked, and he turned that board around. Even when uh, Pittsfield Community Television took over TBR, he was still involved. In fact, he was there when they took the board from the high school mm-hmm. over to uh, uh, w- uh, Pittsfield Community Television. And he was involved with them for uh, a year or so, yeah. getting things straight and the computers straight and everything. Well, he had to. I mean, you know, he was the one who really made it uh, the automation oh, happen. Yeah. And so that was something that really saved the day because 
listen, when you don't have any paid people, it's all volunteers, you got to have some automation there going on. And, uh, and he was able to bring that to the table. So, uh, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. He was, um, I, I consider him a, a, a genius in the stuff. Yeah. And I mean, he, he doesn't work in radio or electronics. <laughs> And the reason he does does not work in electronics or radio, he doesn't want anybody to tell him what to do. <laughs> when he's doing his electronic stuff or computer stuff, this guy's a whiz. It's, he's, a, he's also a ham radio operator. And the last time I went out to his house, and he lives out in um, on the other side of the Wisconsin, state. I think, or somewhere else. Somewhere. <laughs> but he, and he was showing me, you know, his ham rig and how he got it set up and everything. And I was looking at it going, hmm, hmm, I might try this at home. And I got home and I mentioned to my wife, you know, I was, I was over at Tom's place and he has this. And he, she said, you're not buying anything. <laughs> We're retired. <laughs> so that took care of that. <laughs> but uh, he, he is, he was a fantastic guy. Actually, I was surrounded by uh, a bunch of really, talented people um there was brad lorenz who uh, was in on it and joe uh joe midland mm -hmm. and he matter of fact joe does all the liners for my show now yeah. he and he has since the inception of the show but i had people who went in and did incredible work you are one of those because when you went in and started good morning pittsfield people were asking what's that all about and it, it worked out beautifully. It was it really because when you went into WTBR, started go to do, doing Good Morning Pittsfield, talk radio on the AM stations, uh, BRK and BEC, yeah. was going out. Yes. I was still doing yeah. a talk show on BEC. Uh, I think there was one on, on BRK, but they were shrinking in size and not exactly what you were doing mm -hmm. you were bringing it to everybody it was amazing yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. i i turned the radio on and the mayor's on or i turned the radio on and somebody else's on yeah. you had a list yeah um we really did it didn't and you. it didn't and you know it was really amazing to have in that humble little studio to be able to have governors bank presidents uh you know people who were you know, really well-known actors, things like that, um, which I think was amazingly helpful for the station because, you know, it, it ultimately yet the exposure that you get from the uh, actual broadcast is one thing, but literally the foot traffic of people coming in and in the first couple of years, for sure, people were asking, so where is this? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. what station you know so there there was this you know learning curve for a lot of people who had influence in the community over time so i think that was one of the greatest things i think was to be able to bring exposure by literally having people walk that hallway mm -hmm. <laughs> find their way to the station and be like wow this is really really cool and i think that that energy i think helped propel the station now who who was the most interesting couple of people you had on Good Morning Pittsfield? Yeah, I think, well, it was great to have Deval Patrick come in yeah. um, to the studio. That was really cool because I had been working on that. That's when he was governor. Yeah. Uh, he was in his probably last few months uh, as governor. But still, whoever heard of a governor going to a high school radio station? Yeah, it was. I mean, the guy was yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, he would be on WBUR yeah. all the time and, and so forth. So that was really cool. I'll tell you, the, the most you know, you interview a lot of people and you get a sense and you get a feel and you understand. Uh, I'll tell you the person who was most on and th that did not skip a beat. Cause you can, you can see people thinking, you know, when, when, when you're, when you're speaking to them, you can, you can see when they're grasping for a thought or what have you. Um, the one who was the sharpest I had ever seen, and he's still around here as uh, Evan Dobell, the former mayor oh, yeah. of Pittsfield. And when he yeah. was on and in is, and he's speaking like that guy was like, boom, right on that. He did not miss a beat. And so, you know, you can chalk that up to, wow, he's a great politician, or you can chalk that up to uh, a really sharp mind. But, uh, but I'll never forget that because when he came in and sat down, it was like, boom, boom. Um, yeah. right there. Um, so, you know, and, and you get, 
And so that's, there's something about a conversation that's at a coffee house and that is one thing, but when you're on air, there's a certain sense of urgency to it when you have those conversations and you know, some of it is okay. Well, everything I'm saying can be heard by the world. Okay. So there's, there's that little bit of sense of urgency there, but there's something magical about the intimacy of a radio conversation. It is. And, and I mean, on, on WBEC AM, I also did a talk show called up front. Mm -hmm. Now, most of the time it was local people, but once in a while, if there was somebody coming into town for a show or uh, I'd have them on the show, or I'd, I'd at least I'd ask their managers or whatever, if, if they could come on. And I had a conga line of people that came in. I'd have to go back and actually write them down. Vicki Lawrence comes to mind right now. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Ma, mom, on, uh, you know, mom's world or whatever that's called. <laughs> yeah. uh, she came in. Mm -hmm. um, you light up my life, girl. Debbie Boone was at, she, she was somewhere. Uh, but I don't know what venue she was working at, but I asked if she could, would come in, and she did. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. Debbie Boone walks into the station. Figure, I, I would tell the front desk of the station, uh, Debbie Boone is coming today. The girl who sang in the light of my life. Yep, yep, <laughs> that one. Well, she came in, and everybody to, to, to a person said, I didn't think she was that short. She was maybe five foot two. Mm. And she's in the studio. I had to lower the mic, you know. And we had a we had a wonderful conversation. Vicky Lawrence, on the other hand, did you ever talk with somebody who seemed like they just didn't want to be there? <laughs> she, don't get me wrong. She was very nice, and mm. and off the air, she we, she was very pleasant to talk with. Um, but I got the feeling when I was talking to her on the air, she just didn't want to be there. Yeah. Eh, what am I doing here in a little AM station? You know, come on. Yeah. I want to be at a big, big station in New York City. But yeah. uh, it, there were so many people. You mentioned uh, Governor Deval Patrick. Mm -hmm. Now, Deval Patrick, uh, if I called the governor's office, if I had a question for the governor, you know, how you, and you were in this situation. Yeah. You called it. Uh, we'd like to. We'd like to find out uh, what day is the uh, ship coming in. And the governor's people would say, "Well, we'll we'll get back in touch with you." And I'm I'm not kidding. He would always call back in person. Mm. He very rarely would a spokesman call for the governor's office. He would call the, the poor receptionist. Yeah, all right. Uh huh. Governor Patrick's on the phone for you on line two. Oh, I thank you. And I pick it up. Uh, hello. He said, I'm returning your call. And he would answer the I said, Let me start recording. Sure, take your time. And he would <laughs> and he would answer the question. I remember, and maybe you were here or there, um, when Paul Salucci was the governor. Oh my God. He, he, brought, <laughs> I, he I'm gonna tell you a story about Paul Salucci. He brought he brought everyone to the Highland. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to talk about. And we were all there. And I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. I can't remember if I was uh, with NAW or WAMC at the time, but I was amazed that 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 was happening. Yeah. And it was so it was so cool. It never happened before. And it, to me, never happened again, because I think the governor after him was Mitt Romney and he was Romney didn't do anything. Romney didn't do anything. No. And so it was very difficult. I mean, there was no personality. It, it was really amazing what a contrast that was, because the one time I got a chance to interview Mitt Romney, it was like it was so um, staged. You know, he came out, all the reporters were there and he literally answered two or three questions and then everyone was was kind of uh, whisked away and he was whisked away yeah. so that was kind of the thing where paul salucci hey sit down he's got tomato sauce all over you know he's you know from i remember when the, the, Highland. Governor, the governor's office called the radio station and said we would like you you to hopefully you can be at uh the highland restaurant in pittsfield uh, the Governor Salucci is going to have a press conference there at, I think it was like maybe 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, something like that. And I said, sure, put me down. Okay. Well, it comes time just before, and the people said, come hungry. Huh? <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> I know it's the Highland and it's a good restaurant, but okay. So I went. The first one I went to, I could not believe 
what was going on. The governor was sitting at a very long table, right in the middle. And we were all seated on the same table. It, it reminded me of a, um, a picture of the Last Supper, except yeah. there's more people. <laughs> <laughs> and and people with microphones and cameras and everything else. Governor Salucci sat there, and he had a bowl. He said uh, he ordered good old-fashioned pasta mm. and a couple of meatballs. Oh, they filled him. He was the only person, John, that I ever interviewed who could talk and understandably with his mouth full <laughs> he would sit there and answer a question here here's a reporter from say wamc and they said you know uh how much money are you going to spend on on roads this year and he'd have a, and he'd take a big bite of meatballs or something <laughs> but he and all i could think of was my mother saying don't talk with your mouth full yeah true with your mouth closed and he got through the whole thing and we could eat yeah. It was amazing. It was the most and he and, and you know, I had my stint in in public service. He is the only one who I look at and 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 say, "Wow, I want to be like that guy." You know, <laughs> and, I, and I I liked Duvall. I mean, you know, I think we all liked him. He had a special relationship with the Berkshires and everything. But um, but Paul Salucci came from. I think he was a board of selectmen member. Was his first elected. You know, so he you know he wasn't some. You know, he wasn't some highfalutin person. He 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 was genuinely uh, that kind of uh, individual. And so, anyone who's comfortable enough to be eating with your mouth full and answering questions <laughs> with cameras and microphones yeah. and the whole hey, shebang, yeah, yeah. he'd wipe his mouth every now and then. And, and as a, uh, John, uh, you haven't asked haven't asked a question. The poor guy has has to come up with a question real quick. He said, "There's no stupid questions here, gang. So ask anything you want." Uh, just enjoy your meal. Yeah. And he would pay for it. Yeah. And he goes, by the way, this is not coming out of government money. This is my wallet. <laughs> yeah. It's my charge card. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Deval Patrick was amazing. When he first made his announcement statewide that he was running for office, yeah. did it in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was there. Now, if you, yeah, <laughs> you remember it was on the site of the what is now the Greylock Bank. It was a hill yeah. with the wind the blowing. Yeah. The PETA site. And he was it was yeah, cold. Cold. It was miserable. And I didn't and... know what the guy was like. So I, <laughs> I parked the car and I I go out and you know, and, and here's a bunch of people standing around. I figure, well, they had suits on, they gotta be important. So I go up to him and I said, I'd like to know uh, uh, which one is Deval Patrick. And he came comes right over mm. and he says, I'm Deval Patrick, I'm your next governor, if you live <laughs> in Massachusetts. I said <laughs> You are my governor because I live here, and I introduced myself, and 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 then he made the announcement, and so on. A few years later, into his, uh, into his tour of duty here, he was at uh, can't remember. It's a big big manufacturing place on on one hundred and two or out that way, uh, and Down he was in Lee. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, he was he was there, and he was um, reporters everywhere, cameras. You know, radio people, and they're all over the newspaper people. And I had a question for him, and I kept raising my hand, and he came close, and he didn't answer my question. So finally, he said, that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Now, all the reporters now, they're all backing off, but I was the real pain in the butt. And I said, Governor, could, can I talk to you for a second? And he turns around now, John, I figure this out. Okay, how many times have I talked to that guy? He knew who I was. He turns around and he had, you know how the, the, the politicians leave the room? They have three, four people around them. Okay, yeah, he's, leaving the, he's leaving the room like that. And he turns around and says, uh, Larry, come over here. <laughs> okay, that was my first story. But I tried not to be like, oh, wow, he knows me. Um, so we went into a private little alcove. And I asked him my questions, which I don't know, but I asked him the questions and he asked me and he answered. And then he said, and thank you for asking that question. He said, I really appreciate it. Shook my hand hmm. and went away. Another guy who, while we're talking about uh, people like this, who respected the, uh, uh, hmm. the media was uh, <laughs> Mr. Kennedy. Yes. Okay. You remember. Yeah. 
Yeah, Ted Kennedy, yeah, sure. He's talking, he comes out, he had made a big speech in the in the big ballroom. And he comes out and he's talking to everybody, thank you, thank you. And he says, uh, the, the TV people are yelling questions at him. He says, hold on a second, will you please? He said, I want to talk to my, my radio folks over here. And he took me, Len Bean, and a couple others, and he takes us over in a corner. He says, shoot. And we asked our questions questions and he answered our questions shook all of our hands thanked us for being there and then he said now i gotta deal with the tv people (laughs) i mean these are moments that that stick in my head i I remember that it was amazing yeah yeah it's amazing the huge difference so so bringing up that salucci story and then my experience with mitt romney (laughs) and and i don't know if that it's really interesting to know if the if people in general see that difference because for me that means the world because i i look at that and if you're comfortable enough that shows a level of honesty now do politicians lie yeah of course they do are they dishonest <laughs> yes <laughs> they're a politician but when you have that level of comfort where it's like ted kennedy says all right guys shoot here I am. Or you got Paul Salucci with his mouth full and <laughs> crumbs everywhere. Or if you say, hey, come into my office, we're just going to do an open press conference once a week or something like that. That is a level that and unfortunately, I think people's expectations have become so low that they don't think that that's what elected officials should, should do. That's exactly what they should do. Yeah. Well, I interviewed uh governor romney exactly twice on the phone mm-hmm. never in person he gave one of his speeches at the holiday and in the big ballroom and then he came out and he talked only to the television people us radio people were off to the side looking at each other saying when are we going to get a chance so he had this went on for 20 25 minutes he's asking questions and he's smiling at the camera and doing this when are we going to get our chance we never did. Mm-hmm. He simply said, "That's uh, okay. We're done here. Thank you for all attending. He was very nice. Gone. <laughs> on the talk show, um, uh, he went on the phone. He was very pleasant. He answered all my questions. Called me Larry. I probably had it written down in front of him. This is the guy I'm talking to. I wanted It's so bad. I wanted to say at the end of the show, by the way, my name's Pete. Just to see what he would do, but uh, he was he was he was good to talk with. But he was, and and another thing about watching Mitt Romney, and he did he did something like this twice at the in the ballroom. Both times he gave these long speeches, half hour speeches. So, not one note, not one three by five card with a little hint of what he said. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I got to give him that much. He had he it down. Would, he would look out at the audience, right <laughs> to left, straight ahead, say what he had to say. Never <laughs> he, a note in front of him. He it was it amazing to watch. Yeah, he, he is. I think you know, as far as like the um, prototypical like politician with their you know, no teleprompter. So <laughs> yeah, it was the same way. He could talk for a, yeah. for an hour and a half and never look down. Yeah, yeah. No, that, it's it's uh, hey, when you do the stump speech enough. It's so buried into your soul that uh, that that that's how it goes. But I can tell you that uh, it, it does it, it does make a difference. I think that that level of um, just accessibility. I mean, I I I wouldn't even understand why someone would want to be an elected official if they didn't have that that comfort level. It's just really it, you know it, it's interesting, and um, and so that's kind of how you were asking me about some of the people who. Great interviews at uh, Good Morning Pittsfield. Um, you know, I mean, you can you can tell. You know, what I'm saying you get that connection, and you know who you and you, and and it's not just about oh, you know who sounds good or someone who you have a rapport with, but I think in those conversations are the ones where you really get to a different level. You know, you're not just dealing with talking points because you know, for all I mean, Mitt Romney was kind, but he I'm sure he never dipped below talking points you know what i'm saying he never he never got any deeper than that well they his office did ask me for uh an advance 
list of questions. <laughs> and I said, I don't want to give an advanced <laughs> list of questions. And they said, well, if you don't give an advanced list of questions, we don't know if the governor will be able to come on the air with you. Okay, well, I had to, you know, kind of toss it up as you go. I want the governor on the air. Uh, do uh, So I gave him a, a list of questions. Mm -hmm. With the little exclamation point, I might throw something else in there, like a question for an answer. You know, he gives me an answer and says, the sky is blue. Why is it blue, governor? <laughs> you know, come up yeah. with that kind of stuff. But uh, we didn't do that very much. Once in a while, I would throw something like that, like that in. But uh, he, he was, you know, to the point. It was amazing. It is. Well, he's he, like, he's a pro. <laughs> he's a pro. Well, uh, you're on both. You have been on both sides. Of I've been on both sides. Of yeah. It. Yeah. See, I've only been on, on the side where I'm asking questions. Yeah. Not on the side where I get it. Well, not where I'm answering. Well, I, and, and I've always loved reporters because <laughs> I was one. <laughs> so it's you're kind of only like they're paid reporters. I, uh, you know, I always appreciated it because, you know, I, I knew the perspective so I felt like um, that was always helpful, but um, I can tell you that, uh, you know, it, it is rare now uh, to see that level of, of accessibility. It just is, you know, and, and, and I don't know, and I don't know why, like, like, why do you do this? When I was on WBEC on the talk show, uh, it wouldn't be unusual to have city councilors on the mayor on, um, DPW people on, I'd have state people on, and we're talking about a lot of different things. Uh, but one one thing was really cool was that whenever I called the mayor's office, uh, Mayor Doyle, uh, for instance, there's one right he, there. He, he was he he would he he was one who used to come on the show quite a bit. Yeah. In fact, I remember one time he called me up, the receptionist, Larry, uh, Mayor Doyle's on the phone. Really? <laughs> okay. Well, there's nothing going on. I'm thinking uh, quick, you know, 700 things go through. You know, what's going on? In <laughs> All right. I pick it up. Hello. Or you're like, what I do? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I, let's, well no, let's just real quickly. So when I was in North Adams, uh -huh. whenever Mayor Barrett uh, called, you're like, oh, shit, what I do? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that was <laughs> what I do. You know, did, I, did I get somebody mad at me? But, uh, and he, he called me up one time and said, hey, you got an opening on your show? And I said, uh, yeah, I said, Friday's open. I said, I was going to play a repeat. He says, can I come on? Sure. What do you want to talk about? Eh, stuff. Okay. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the way he was. Uh, it worked out really good. Jim Roberto was the same way sure. as Mayor. He, and he would... Uh, he would call up, say, "What you know? You got any openings, or you know, he, or or if there's something going on, Larry, I have something to tell you. Mm. Can I can I give you a statement?" He was like that. Yeah, and it was it was amazing to work with government people, uh, the city council, and so and and I worked for Jimmy. So what I tried to achieve there was that authenticity because I knew that like I didn't I didn't want to be that. PR person who was like the screen and I got a really interesting. So <laughs> um, a lot of times PR people, uh, you know, that that's how they, that's, and it's incorrect. The, the, the job of the public relations person isn't to be the screen and to, uh, and to block uh, accessibility. What you want to do is kind of create uh, a bridge and so, and create that rapport so that, the elected official is able to have a good rapport with the reporters and be able to get the message across. You know, have you ever done television? Yes, I have. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever had a time in television that was the worst of your life? <laughs> I mean, what? how do you do this? Okay, now, I remember, I'm on Pittsfield Community Television. I have a show called Gratkiss Corner, and it's, it went on for quite a few years. And the um, cable system in, South, in, in Great Barrington, the Southern Berkshire District, they were having a telethon. So they would, because I'm heard now on radio all over the county, and they invited me down to be on their telethon. Oh, that's it's raising money. Sure, that's I'm happy to help. So on a Sunday afternoon, great. Sign me up. 
So now go down there. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to go on camera and I've got a tie on and a suit and the whole thing. And I'm going to go on camera and I'm going to pitch for whatever they're doing. And, you know, maybe it's keeping the station on the air or something. So I go down and, and the producer of the show, who was a salesman at WBEC, who I did not get along with, he 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 said, I'm going to hook you up with a, a co-host. I said, oh, great. Who? Roger the Mime. Now, you know what a mime is, folks? They, they tell a story like, you know, you're going to go up the hill or they don't talk. Everything is with, with the hands and the, the whole body movement. They teamed me up with Roger, the mime. <laughs> on a, Teamed me up with the guy. I'm talking and he's doing all these things with the hands. And finally I said, Roger, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> And he answered with his hands. I don't know what he said. And so we finished our segment, which is about 20, 25 minutes long. It was like the end of the world was coming. You know, I couldn't wait to stop this. And when when we when I introduced, okay, we're going to go over to Carolyn, such and such. I went over. I said, I am not doing this again. And Roger said, you know what? And he did talk, of course. And he said, you know something? That was the funniest bit I ever had chance to do I said, what you were absolutely struggling you don't know how bad i wanted to answer your question and talk with you but i couldn't and he said that's my that's my thing i do everything with my hands i talk with my hands i body movement he said but inside i was wetting my pants he said i couldn't wait. and 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 then and i did after i talked to the guy and we had a soda together and we we went back on and he he did the same thing, but I was a little used to him. But I, I went up to the producer afterward. And I said, "Don't ever do that again." <laughs> but working with him, I get a video of that. I mean, yeah, I see that. Try to picture. <laughs> you know, it'd be like you asking me where you're sitting, you're interviewing. And I've got a camera on me over here. Yeah. I go, ask me a question, Jack. Yeah, ask me a question. Is the sky blue? <laughs> <laughs> That's what he was doing the whole time. Well, uh, over here for auction, we have this this wonderful crockpot. And and he's going, <laughs> he's, he's making a crockpot with his hands. It was, in <laughs> some, when I think about it, it was one of the funniest bits ever. I had no idea. I couldn't wait to stop it. And then when we did the second one, the second hour, it went much better. As a matter of fact, I was laughing. He was doing something with his hands. Say that again, and he'd do it again. I said, "Say it again." You sure? And he go, "Yeah." It, don't you can't say that on television. <laughs> so we had, and then when we got off the air, uh, he said, "If we ever have to do this again," he said, "I will talk." <laughs> and I said, "If we ever have to do this again, I'm going to try mine and see what you think." <laughs> so it, it's one of those one of those memories that's amazing. You got into radio because you probably wanted to be a DJ. Oh, oh you could. I don't know. I mean, I always, that's how I always felt. And maybe you said that to me at one point, but okay. That, that's my, here that's I my, am. That's my, here I am, a 13 year old with pimples. Okay. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in seventh grade. You can hear them, hear them popping. And my grandmother's in the hospital. Now, I've, uh, up until this point, I liked listening to radio. I would, uh, what what we call DX on the AM side, listening to distant stations at night. My father used to say, "Turn the radio off, go to sleep." You're okay, Dad. And so here I, I and I like to hearing what the guys are doing and have my favorite radio stations. This is in Central Connecticut. So I'm a 13 year old kid. My grandmother's in the hospital. My father says, "The thing you have to go and see your grandmother." No, in a hospital. I'm not going to no hospital. You're going to go see your grandmother, and that's it. Okay. Yeah, I guess. And I, I moaned and groaned and everything. He goes, and by the way, he said, there's a, the woman in the next bed, her husband is, uh, he's a disc jockey on WHAY here in town. Well, let me tell you something. <laughs> I, he's a disc jockey? Yeah. Oh, hey, I get to meet a disc jockey. Never met one before. 
So what I asked my dad, when's he in? I don't know. So I looked it up in the newspaper. That's the day they used to put who was on radio in the newspaper, you know, and, and it had his name. He was on from three to seven o'clock at night. He was the program director as well. So I, okay, so I'll go. And I listened to the guy and I've had this, everybody figures what he look like. You know, what do DJs look like? We all have great faces for radio. So anyway, I wonder, what's Is that? What you, I, I think now, because everything's on video now. So oh, yeah. even, even radio people, podcast people, you know, if you primarily do audio, there's always some sort of video component to oh, it yeah. nowadays. So it's not like it used to be. No. Because back then, say in the, when I grew up in the 70s or 80s or, or 90s, even, you know, you had no idea. And then when you actually saw that person, even even locally, like if you saw someone who was on the radio and you saw him, you know, and someone said, oh, that's the guy on the radio. And then you heard the person speaking. No. You're like, that is you're supposed to be tall. You're supposed <laughs> to have you're supposed to have more hair. Oh, no, I, I thought you were bald headed <laughs> or you were shorter. You're is that five funny? Foot one. Isn't that funny how we, 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 it's theater of the mind. It is. Yeah, that's what it is. We so paint I, our mind with what we think this person should look like. Right. So I'm, I'm listening to this guy on radio for a few days before I go to the dreaded hospital, see my grandmother. I go up to see my grandmother and I go in and I say, hi grandma, how you doing? Fine. Good. First of this shot. <laughs> and the guy's, his, his wife is in the next bed. Oh, he'll be here in a, in a few minutes. So I talked to my grandmother, you know, how are things going? You know, you know small talk, you know, what does the 13 year old ask you when your grandmother says, what's new? You know, baseball cards. That's all. <laughs> uh, anyway, the guy comes in. He did not look anything like what I thought he looked like. I thought he was going to be six foot four. He was five foot three. He was a short little guy. He could just barely own property in some states <laughs> and here he comes up to see his wife and you know and then i talked my father says here's my son he's uh, he likes radio no oh, you do do you come on. so he talks to his wife and he talks to me and finally he and he didn't talk to me all that much but i'm i am starstruck this is a guy on the radio and and, and he says well why don't you um why don't you call the station and and come by i'll show you the radio station well that's like Somebody saying, come on into Fort Knox, take whatever you want. Not a problem. Well, how many bars can you carry at the same time? And I did. And I went up there and saw him and we became friends. And he finally said, how would you like to go on the air? So <laughs> I said, what do you want me to do? And he hands me, now you know what this looks like. He hands me a yellow sheet of United Press International paper with the weather forecast side. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. Windsor locks, you know, AP. Yeah. And I read the thesis, <laughs> well, go in the other room. And they had a, a another studio. He said, go in there. And when I cue you, read the weather. I said, okay. So I go in there. And I oh, this is really something. I go in, I sit down. And he looks at me. And the, the commercials are over. And he's a race. I said, well, you know, we have a... A young, a young man with us here tonight. Going to read the weather forecast for us. Larry, go ahead. Excuse me. Dead silence. It froze. I froze. <laughs> and I'm sitting there looking. He said, oh, read, it's right in front of you, Larry. He says, right there. Oh, um, <clears throat> partly sunny today. He said, it's dark out. Partly cloudy tonight. And I read the thing. And I got through it. Seemed like an hour and a half. <laughs> It was about 30 seconds, and, and I get through that, and he goes, thank you, Larry, you're a buddy announcer. He says, thank you very much, and he gets to the next record. So I leave the thing, and I come back in. He said, you're scared out of your mind, weren't you? I said, terrified. He says, you'll be okay. I said, I want to do this someday. He said, eh, yeah, you might. <laughs> He said, but I'll tell you something. He said, if I were you, I'd go to college and become a teacher or something. He said, you'll make more money. But we stayed friends and he left the station. It went into um, some real estate, something. And then I lost track of him when I, when I moved away from home, but he guy's name was Ray Lawrence. Mm. And I never forgot that. I, I mean, froze right there. <laughs> you know, felt like well, you know, I, and I and 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 my my what's worse 
is that my father was listening. He was he was listening to the radio just in case. Just in case. I said, in case. Well, maybe he lets you introduce a record or something. Uh-huh. Let <laughs> me read the weather, Dad. Yeah, you really were bad. <laughs> I said, I was bad. He nice said, said. Well, yeah, you kept saying it was nighttime. You read the daytime stuff. <laughs> I said, Jeez. yeah, well, I, I was a little nervous. Oh, a little? Uh, oh, my. So, I mean, it's these little things. And, and I remember uh, talking to the students at, at Taconic High School one time. Because we were sitting around having a meeting. And one of the kids said, all right, how long have you been in radio? And I said, well, how many centuries you got? You know, since when? And that actually, that was 1961. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. That was 1960. Wow. Yeah. That's like before Kennedy. And I mean, it, it was it was a lot of fun. And then, of course, by, you know, I went to school and all that. I got on the air. But uh, hmm. some someday we'll have to talk. I, it'll take a, a whole afternoon, but we'll talk about the stations I was at. I can tell you about all the stations. The How owners, many stations all, were there? The owners for something. How many stations were there? Oh, I don't know. How many? Yeah. How many hands you got? <laughs> no, there were there were quite a few because the object when I got into broadcasting and actually my I was first a jock, nineteen sixty seven during the winter of sixty six into sixty seven. I even remember the first song I played. Here comes my baby by the tremolos on WBRL in Berlin, New Hampshire, mm. a two hundred and fifty watt. Little crappy radio station <laughs> didn't get outside of the city limits, and it was like I was working weekends, Friday and Saturday nights. It was like the most beautiful job in the whole world. I got paid very little. I didn't care. I stayed with my roommate lived in Berlin, New Hampshire, so I stayed at his folks for the. We came up for the weekend, and you know we we did that. But uh, yeah, there it is. And I've been babbling it's, since then. Even I'm talking or, now. So. It's it is, but I think you know that love, that love, is what makes uh, community radio in Pittsfield exist. Hey, right, that, and there's it, a lot of people. Yeah. Excuse me. On, um, but I mean specifically your love, because if you didn't do what you did, that station would be gone. <laughs> it would. That's what I'm told. It would have been gone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and then in 2014, I decided to retire. Period. And I said, that's it. It was running good, you know. Um, and I did that. And then, of course, the rest is history. PCTV. In fact, I remember talking to Sean, uh, Sean Sear, and I said, you know, wouldn't it be a bad idea if you guys could take it over? Bet you could run a heck of a radio station. And he goes, well, will you help? I said, if you want me to, sure. I didn't help that much as they took over because they did an incredible job. Yeah. Um, Every time I go down there for something, uh, I, I, I look at the studios they built, and I'm blown away by how professional they are. They're the best studios in town. I haven't been at Whoopi lately, but they're the best studios around. And and they it, the place just sounds so good, mm. you know. So I'm very proud of what Sean Sear and yeah, he's a pro. Uh, well, he, the guys when, over when we had the idea of, you know, and I think that brought so much more exposure to WTBR is bringing cameras in the studio. So when <laughs> that, I had that idea and, you know, I'm like, Hey, you know, we're, it's wired up at the high school, I'm like no big deal. <laughs> here, I am. here I am. Here I'm saying no big deal. No big deal. No, uh, you don't have to run video cable from halfway across the school. <laughs> and he did all this through the fake ceilings they had. And he would he would start in one room, and I'd see him coming across. And finally, he got it into the studio, and he dropped it down by the control board. Uh, and he said, "We're going to go on television. Said, oh, this ought to be interesting." And they brought some old cameras in. Remember those? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They were like old uh, security cameras or something like that. Yeah, but uh, it was an amazing idea. Mm -hmm. uh, all of a sudden, instead of just being on the radio, the guy here on yeah. the radio, now they can see what you look like. Yeah, it's double the exposure. And I think that really did help because there were a lot of people who did not listen in the morning, but they said that they were going to bed at night and they would see the show. Of course, it was on endless reruns. Yeah. And, you know, so, but it, it specifically, I think it was like 11 at night or 1030 or I think it was 11. And uh, so people would, would check it out that 
brought, you know, that, that double exposure. And that, and that was when I would say even the access television PCTV was watched to a greater extent because the stations were actually on the main level there, you know, 16, 17, 18, they, they were right there. You didn't have to go searching in the thousands uh, to find the station. And, um, and so it was really, it was really helpful. Yeah. I, it, it was, it was, I, you know, when, when I first found out they were going to do that, I said, huh? And they, I said, how are you going to do this? And they said, we're giving John a little switch. <laughs> and actually, folks, he was switching cameras with his left hand. Yeah. I think it was your left hand. I still am. Like, camera one, <laughs> right camera two, camera three, camera one. Uh, you had three cameras. Yeah. And uh, and actually, it, came, it it looked pretty darn good. It was great. Yeah. And and when they when they brought in the nicer cameras, you know, because they knew, okay, now it's go time. Now we can we can bring in these. And I think they they had replaced cameras that enabled them to to uh, get a higher quality in there. Um, it was uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. So I think you know having everything from. Uh, live performances uh we would try every wednesday morning to and i don't know how i thought that we were going to every wednesday morning have a musician appear at 7 30 in the morning but uh we we tried like hal but we had a lot of great performances yeah, uh, in that and they they sounded good you did and and we we had a, a little audio control board to to the right of well you couldn't touch it but we we sometimes you would set it up and you had some pretty darn good people on. Oh yeah, you yeah. Had people playing guitars, oh, yeah. trombones, and you had cheerleaders, and I was like, holy cow! We had, we had the chorus yeah, come in quite chorus a bit. Singing. I remember, uh, gosh, it was uh, Jack Waldheim would come in quite a bit as a performer. Um, Tony Lee Thomas, I think, may have come in. Mary Birdie, um, yeah, a lot of them uh, made the rounds, and they and they they made the trip. Andy Kelly, we did the Christmas spectacular every <laughs> every year. Uh, so when we do, yeah, you know, people would get up yeah. early in the morning and have their Watch vocal it. cords ready. You know, it was good stuff. It was yeah. good stuff. I think you know, and so it's a, it's a wonderful legacy. You haven't stopped because you have your show uh, yeah that's, what that's 60 plus stations out there 60 something 60 something yeah, 64 65 what's the show again nothing but old 45s is what it's called there are actually several different versions of the show and so There's, do you record do you record that live or do you I post that in? Yeah. yeah yeah and so i put it together and the original version plays 60s and 70s you know the Beatles and stuff like that, and, and maybe a few late fifties, Elvis, Jerry Lee Lewis, you know stuff like that. Then there's the nothing but old forty fives, the next generation. And no link to Star Trek, by the way. Just the next generation, <laughs> and this place is seventies and eighties, and that was fifty two shows that I did, but I decided to expand it to a hundred and two, and I'm around number eighty right now. Wow! So it's growing. Then there's the uh, classic rock shows. Uh, and by the way, Next Generation is on Mondays. If, this is a shameless plug now. Mondays at 10 a.m. on WTBR, and classic rock is at 11 a.m. on TBR. Nice. Now, if you thought that was something, I, yeah, <laughs> I got a phone call several years ago from a fella at, at a country station. He goes, um, do you do uh, any classic country? I go, no, I don't do any classic country. Have you ever been a country jock? Oh, yeah. I, I was a country jock at different places. Sure. Yeah. It was fun. Well, do you play Johnny Cash and things like that? Oh, yeah, I used to play that. Sure. And he said, well, if you ever do a classic country show, we'd, I'd like to hear it. Well, a year and a half later, I called the guy up. I said, you want classic country? I got something called sweet country music. And he took the show, and he's in a place called Seagoville, Texas. And not a big station, but is it? And he he's playing sweet country music, and so are a whole bunch of radio stations all nice. over the country. Nice, yeah, including. Can I do a shameless plug? WNAW now WNAW twelve seventy North Adams, your old stopping yeah. grounds. Yeah. Okay, they are now new country. 
But no kidding. Yes. But she <laughs> didn't even know that. And they're also 90, 94.7 or something like that. But they, uh, that, the program director, oh, they call them branding directors now. <laughs> and he he got a hold of me and he says hey uh you have a a country show don't you i said yeah it's a sweet country music he said well he was in bennington vermont he heard it and he wanted to know if he could run it on naw i said well you're new country why would you want to run and he said uh yeah how much are you gonna pay me is that what you said well i told him i work, <laughs> I work for t-shirts and coffee mugs <laughs> Well, I can't sell the show because it, it's all copyrighted. Anyway, the uh, he he said no. He said they had some of the older listeners complained. Go, Why don't you play some classic country? Yeah. And so he he thought of me and my show, and you're right in my backyard. Hi, how are you? You used to work here anyway. So what do you think? So we talked about it, and I said I sent him a demo, and he must have run it by the powers that be, and they said sure. So, Sweet Country Music is run from 7 to 9 a.m. Sunday mornings on WNAW. 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 Country. New country. Wonderful memories there. That and and really WNAW was the basis, my my basis for Good Morning Pittsfield because we had the opinion program. And now that was a half hour every morning call-in show. Probably nothing unique about it other than the fact that it was the show of record in Northern Berkshire County. It was the opinion program, you know, so Ron Plot had hosted it for many, many years. And then I took the reins uh, for a few years. And uh, so that was really the basis. It was a, you had great little studios. It's, well, it's great. I, I remember, a lot of well, space. When, when it finally got down to the Berkshire News Network being me, I yes. was it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I am the Berkshire News Network. They they wanted to do debates for the election. And they had they asked I had a mayoral debate that back when back when radio stations did debates. They did debates. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) Um, but we I did a debate and 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 I didn't do a debate with uh, John Barrett. But did I did other debates up there in that little studio. And I remember sitting in that little tiny studio with with all these microphones around, and it was to me it was like this this is great. It this is this is old fashioned. It was really a great studio. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was it was it was the so guy in the next room running the control board. And yeah, it, it was all it was it was, it was literally. I mean, you had a studio, you had the big window, yeah. so you could see the guy running the board, and you had your guests. <laughs> And taking phone calls, it was a awesome setup. And we actually, you know, and and we would go in there on every Saturday morning and do this thing called the Trading Post, which also was hugely popular. But um, you know, the thing I I love about that is just it was literally set up for broadcasting. Yeah. This wasn't a building that was like makeshift or anything, and it's still there. They sold it. Uh, apparently, um, which is very sad, but I can tell you that, um, the, that, that like, if, if I was to build a radio station, it would look, it like, would that. look like that. It yeah. would look like that. Well, I remember going in there. If you remember, John, the newsroom was stocked with computers. Yeah. There was, there were teletypes banging away, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you could look into the next room. And That's I remember right. going in there for some reason I was, I was working at WBEC and I don't know why, but I think they they sent me up to get a commercial. It was a tape. I had to get it. Could you you know? Could you go up to NAW and get sure? And I and you had to go by the receptionist. You know, you had to stand muster and salute and the whole thing. And I, and I went <laughs> and I went in and I said I'm here to pick up a commercial. Mm. Oh, fine. You know for WBC. Okay, fine. So she's she gets up and goes around. Meanwhile, I'm walking around. Oh, look at it. Here's a door. I walk in there. Doors open. There's two, three guys in the newsroom. I don't remember if you were one of them, but they were in there. And the teletype is good. And I'm oh, this is really fun. Wow, look at this. And I'm looking around. And she comes out with a tape. Here you go, sir. Thank you. And I left. And of course, years later, I went back, and, and they it was just a relic of itself yeah but uh, yeah yeah that was but the last time i went in there there was still a, a copy uh and and uh, a folder that said public records law that i had put up there <laughs> so you know not not a lot you know it was kind of like it was almost like walking into a time capsule so it pretty much looked exactly the same but um but it, unfortunately yeah they did sell it because you know that's mm-hmm. that's the way it's been going in commercial radio mm-hmm. and uh but 
there's a guy named Dave Fierro. Oh, and you talk about advice <laughs> yeah. from you know your mentor. Dave has been in radio since it was invented. Yeah, he was. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Yeah. Yeah, and and so for me, but you know, but if you know Dave, he's really gruff. Yeah. You know, he's he's to the point. And, you know, he's not going to do much small talk. And, uh, you know, if he doesn't want you in the studio, tell you to get out, you know, that's, that's, that's Dave. So uh, my very first day at WNAW, I remember asking him, I said, well, Dave, what, you know, he's got a lot of experience. Everybody knows his voice. He's a pro. He can go in there and soundtrack and he's done and in a heartbeat. He knows his stuff. He, He can get it done. So I, asked him i said well what does it take to be really great in radio (laughs) and so (laughs) he says these words can you read and i said yeah he said you'll be fine yeah (laughs) you know guys it's not that complicated sometimes when i was going to school in boston graham junior college and i'm going and i'm 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 I'm, i want a part-time job you know because i'm actually spending money so just for the fun of it I went to a phone booth and I opened up the Boston yellow pages to radio stations. And I'm looking down, okay, WBZ, I know that one, WHCH, I'm looking for stations I never, I saw WBOS, Commonwealth Avenue. Oh, that's where my my dorm is. So I called and I said, uh, hi, I'm I'm a student over here, blah, blah, blah. And I was wondering if you need any part-time, part-time jocks. And the woman said, hold on. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. This guy picks up. And he had, you remember Dave Fierro's voice? <laughs> Mellow, mm-hmm. deep. This guy had a voice that made Fierro sound like a soprano. <laughs> and he gets on the phone. He goes, yes. And I, I told him what I want. He goes, well, we could, we could, why don't you come up here and, um, and I'll, I'll audition you. Holy cow. So I looked up the address and it's three blocks down on Com Ave in the Hotel Somerset. It's not there anymore, of course, but seventh floor. Took went down to the Hotel Somerset. Okay. Go up to the seventh floor, walk in. Hi, I'm here to uh, do an audition to talk to Norm. Oh, Norm. Exactly. The girl gets it. Norm, kid here to see you. You know, she says, okay, go down the hall, third door on the left. So I go down the hall, third door on the left, it's this amazing studio. Two gigantic old turntables from the 1940s and these big microphones. Uh, and I, there, here's this guy sitting there chain smoking. And I said, hi, I'm Larry. And he turns around, stands up, he shakes my hand, and with the deepest voice on earth, he says, welcome to WBOS. He said, I, I, I said, I, I was talking about this, uh, you know, part-time. Yes, I need somebody for Sunday mornings. Really? Yeah. It's running the board for the ethnic programs. Sure, I can do that. And he said, okay, I'm going to give you an audition. He gives me just a piece of news. He, and he takes it out of the trash. Take, he said, go over there and sit over there at that mic and I'll record you. And he puts a tape in the machine and he lets it roll. And he accused me. He says, go. So I read the uh, AP stories, whatever they were at the time. And he says, okay, one more thing. Give our, our call sign. He goes, I said, this is WBOS Boston. He says, 1600. 1600 WBOS Boston. Okay. I walk over and he goes, okay, I can use you on Sunday morning. Can you start this weekend? Sure. Oh, yeah. What do I have to do? It's all you got to do is cue the talent and he's play their records and say WBOS Boston every hour. <laughs> and that's it. That's it. That's it. So he, I got the job. <laughs> but before I got the job, he said, okay, kid, I'm going to ask you, what's the most important thing in radio and broadcasting? And I said, well, the, uh, the microphone the studio, what's the most important thing in broadcasting? Well, the control board. Nope. What's the most important thing in broadcasting? Think about it for a second. I said, oh, well, the transmitter, because without a transmitter, nobody's going to hear you. Nope. I'll tell you what it is. You got to empty the trash every now and then. And he points toward a trash like that one over there. And he says, <laughs> you take it down the hall and dump it in. I'll pick up the basket later. He said, welcome aboard. <laughs> and that was I it. I got it. my first job in radio, WBOS. 
Boston. Awesome. Yeah. That I used to have to play. I'd be there at eight o'clock in the morning and do the Italian hour, which is an hour and a half. And then I had the Camelactus radio hour, which was actually a half hour. And then I had various different uh, ethnic shows. I had the, the um, Albanian hour, which was 15 minutes. But they called it the Albanian hour because it used to be an hour, but they changed it. And I, I, the, the bishop came in, the Albanian bishop for Greater Boston. He comes in and he sits there and he has his hood on. And I would play this music and then he'd, he would cue me. I would play the music and then I'd cue him and he would pray in Albanian for 15 minutes. <laughs> and then he would reach up with his right hand and cue me and I'd start the music again. And now, by now, it's coming up to nine thirty, and we, you know, kind of fade out. And he'd get up, put his hood on, and walk out. And he had Bibles or something, and he would walk out the studio door. That was it. Never a goodbye, a hello, thank you, nothing. <laughs> oh, I, I could tell you about that. <laughs> Someday I'm gonna. I should Love write it. a book about these things because you should. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's write a book. Well, Larry, man, it's good catching up with you. Yeah, we've got to do this again sometime. I have endless stories, which you'll be bored with. <laughs> I love it. You know, there's nothing There's nothing like radio. Yeah. There's nothing like radio. And, uh, you know, I think there's always going to be a place for it. Yeah. You know, because, hey, uh, what else are you going to listen to in your, your car? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk to my granddaughters. <laughs> they listen to the, they got the, they stream in the car. Oh, it's sure they do, oh, yeah. but. You know, yeah. but at the same time, you yeah. know, there's something about the immediacy. Yeah, I remember saying, you know, you ought to tune into, uh, uh, you know, WNAW or WTBR and listen to your grandfather. Huh? <laughs> You're on what? Radio. Radio? Uh, Dad, do we have radio in the car? They ask my son. You know, he goes, yeah, we got one. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a lot of fun. And uh, if you ever want to spend another hour and a half with boring talk, Give me a call. Let's do it. Larry Fracta. <laughs> hey, my man. Uh, we'll be seeing you soon. And thanks for all your help for everything. I got some new mics in here. So <laughs> happy to be here. I thank you for asking. All right, my man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the John Kroll podcast on your platform of choice. Maybe it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify whatever works for you. Also, I would like to hear from you on the people and the stories that you'd like to hear more of. Send me a note through Facebook Messenger, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm easy to find and I'm easy to reach. I look forward to hearing from you. And if you'd like to support the podcast for less than a cup of coffee, and I'm not talking about the cost of a large latte at a fancy coffee shop, no, more like a McDonald's coffee, go into the description of this episode and scroll down to the Anchor Dot fm link it's right there just click it and you can see your options or log on to anchor.fm backslash john hyphen kroll backslash support again thank you for listening i'm john kroll talk to you soon mm-hmm.